You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Great show for you today. We're going to talk a lot about that Laker Nuggets game last night. So many thoughts to go over on that. The ridiculousness that is Nikola Jokic. Where I think the series is headed now, where it's going, how I see the loss last night by the Lakers. A lot of thoughts. Break down the statistics of the game. Just a lot to go over in last night's game. Also going to talk a little bit of baseball today. I know I said I was going to push it off a day, so we're going to talk about it today and talk a little NFL to end this thing. And we'll get to all that momentarily. So this may not seem like a very popular opinion, but after watching the Laker Nuggets game last night, I know this sounds weird. I'm almost even more convinced the Lakers are going to win the series. And here's why. And look, I can be wrong. I'm just saying. This is how I see it. That game was a three-point game with under a minute left. The Lakers didn't lose that game in the final minute. The Lakers lost that game in the first half. For whatever reason, and we've seen this numerous times throughout the playoffs, even in these two series that they won against Memphis and Golden State, the Lakers just have games where they take quarters off, they take halves off, they don't look energized whatsoever. They played like dog shit in the first half. They give up 72 points. This is the best defensive team in the playoffs so far of the 16 teams that made the playoffs. They are the best statistically defensive team in the playoffs. They gave up 72 points in the first half, 132 for the game, but this was lost in the first half. You can't give up 72 points in the first half on the road and be down by 18, and yet there they were in a one-possession game with 45 seconds left, which was mind-boggling to me, and I'm sure to a lot of you that were watching the game last night, because did Denver ever miss? It just seemed like Denver, whenever they wanted, got whatever shot they want, and everybody was hitting everything. It was a three-point game with 45 seconds left. So that proves to me there's I, I there's no way Denver's going to shoot any better than that in any game this series. Maybe they shoot the same, but they shot 55% last night from the field. The Lakers shot, well, they shot 54.9%. The Lakers shot 54.8%. Pretty much all the statistics in the game last night outside of rebounding were even. Denver made four more shots. I just read you the field goal percentage. Denver made 15 threes. The Lakers made 11. They both shot right around 46% from three-point range. Lakers missed three free throws. Denver missed five. Lakers made six more. Lakers got out-rebounded by 17. That's a big story. Assists, 30-29 to Lakers. Lakers only had seven turnovers. Denver had 11. Steals were basically even. Blocks, Denver had seven. Lakers had four. Total fouls on each team was 21. Like, it was about as even as you can get. And there the Lakers were on the road in game one, basically fell behind by 22 points in the third quarter, and yet just kept plugging and plugging and plugging. And Denver, still, they shot 55% for the game. So I'm still trying to figure out at what point did they go cold to let the Lakers back in because it seemed like they never went cold. I think it might have just been the fouling in the fourth quarter 
where the Lakers were getting a lot of, you know, buckets at the free throw line with the clock stopped. So that got them closer. Because the Lakers were 23 for 26 from the line last night, 85, 88%. So I, it's just really weird. I really, with that loss, I feel confident because I feel confident in not, and not just being a Laker fan. You know, if you listen to me long enough, I'm very objective when I talk about games. I've said that the teams that I like, the Lakers, the Stars, the Dodgers, how many times did I criticize the Dodgers during the Major League Baseball playoffs? Or at least last year when I when I had when I was talking a little bit of sports at the end of my daily roundups. Trust me, I criticize them all the time. And they're my favorite team. I just criticized the Lakers at the beginning of this podcast, saying they just take quarters and halves off and it's killing them. Why can't they play the way they did in the second half, the way they did in the first half? 72 points? That, that's not going to fly. You can't give up 72 points. And what did I tell you before the series? I said, you're not going to stop Nikola Jokic, but having him average 20 to 25 points, 10 to 13 rebounds, 8 to 10 assists, he basically averaged a triple-double for the season. So you just keep him to that, and I think you'll be fine. What you can't have him do is average 30 to 35 a game, get 15 to 18 rebounds, and 14 to 18 assists. And what did he do in game one last night? 34 points, 21 rebounds, and 14 assists. It was too much. Now, he really slowed down because did you see what he put up in the first half? 19, 16, and 7 at halftime? That's like a career game for some people. That guy did it in the first half of a Western Conference final game. But that also means in the second half, he went 15 points, five rebounds, and seven assists, which is, okay, still a great second half, but way, way, not way, way worse, but considerably worse than what he did in the first half. But he was awesome. I mean, he's there's a reason he was a back-to-back MVP and probably should have won it again this year. People on the East Coast, when Denver Nuggets games start at, you know, 10.30 Eastern time. How many people are watching Nikola Jokic? Not many. I've seen him enough. I have the NBA season pass. I've seen him enough to know what I saw last night. This is just what he does. He's unguardable. He's a matchup nightmare. But you just can't have him go crazy. And he went crazy last night, especially in the first half. To start the game, the Lakers got out-rebounded 20-3. to I don't even heard of that. <laughs> like, I didn't even know that was possible. How does a team get 20 rebounds and you only get three of the first 23 rebounds that come off the glass? <laughs> that was so bizarre to me. But Jokic is just setting records all across the board. Nobody in any quarter in a playoff game in the last 25 years had ever had 12 points and five assists in one quarter, and he did it last night. Only one other person in the last 25 years in playoff basketball had at least 15 points, at least 15 rebounds, and at least five assists at halftime. Nobody had ever done that in playoff history in the last 25 years. Only one person had even done it in the regular season, and that was Kevin Garnett. Nikola Jokic now has multiple 30-point, 20-rebound, 10-assist games in the playoffs. Two players did it once. 
Kareem did it once, and Wilt did it once. I mean, he's doing things as a center that we've just never seen. And there the Lakers were down three with 45 seconds left. That's what I'm saying. As good as Denver looked last night, Lakers had a chance to win. So clearly, even though they lost, they in their minds know we can beat this team here. They're going to have to beat them there to win the series, and they're going to have to defend their home court. But all I'm saying is this. If this thing goes to a Game 7, all those shots that Bruce Brown was hitting and KCP, I'm just – let me see them hit them in the last five minutes of a Game 7, you know? Because the Lakers have been there. Denver has not. And maybe they will. They'll be at home. Maybe they will hit those shots. But I'm willing to take my chances if I'm the Lakers because, I mean, they played really well because in the third quarter, down 22 with, I think, eight or seven or eight minutes left in the third quarter, they're down 22. I thought this is going to be one of those games where they maybe got it down to 18, 16 maybe 14, and then it goes right back up to 20, and they start the fourth quarter down 18 or 20, and Darvin Hand gives them two minutes to cut into it, and if they don't, the starters rest. But they didn't. They fought. They only cut They cut it to 11 at the end of the third, only because Jokic hit a ridiculous three-pointer right in Anthony Davis's face. But there they were, down 14 to start the fourth, and the Lakers still had a chance. And... You know, Anthony Davis played awesome. You can't complain with 40 points and 10 rebounds, 11-11 from the free throw line. LeBron almost had a triple-double with 26 points, 12 rebounds, and 9 assists. Austin Reeves was great from three-point range. He was 5 of 9. He poured in 23. Rui Hachimura had a great game off the bench at 17. Look, the Lakers scored 126 points. Sometimes they struggle offensively. Denver is not a good defensive team, and the Lakers are the best defensive team in the playoffs. Usually, usually defense wins out. Last night, it didn't. Denver's been averaging 119 points in the playoffs, and the Lakers gave up 132. You don't deserve to win if you give up 132 points in a game. But 72 of that was in the first half, down 18. They just dug themselves too big of a hole. Game two, Thursday night, all they need to do is not fall behind by 20. If they keep it close, I think they win. Just don't get blitzed. Denver's going to go on their runs, but I think the Lakers know what they need to do. And we'll talk about matchups here in just a moment. I know a lot of you don't like to listen to announcers during games, whether you watch the game on mute or whatever the case may be, but I'm telling you, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, say what you want about them, they teach during basketball games. If you listen to them, they're telling you exactly what's going on, why the Lakers are making a run, what they're doing with Anthony Davis. You know, all the whole first half, I'm like, first off, the Lakers have no energy right now. Denver's doing everything they can. The second the ball comes off the rim, they're pushing it up the court. The Lakers were jogging back. They weren't matching up defensively. And Denver was just time after time after time just getting to the rim. And the Lakers just looked like a step slow for a whole half. And that's where I said, I'm telling you, they lost the game in the first half. Did they have a chance to win at the end? Yes. But they lost giving up 72 points and trailing by 18 and a half. It just was asking too much to come all the way back in the second half. They got close, but they didn't quite get there. 
They need to come out with more urgency in game two, and I think they will because they realize, well, we don't want to fall behind 2-0. But I think the point that Jeff Van Gundy made was excellent. They said, look, take Anthony Davis off of Nikola Jokic, put him on Aaron Gordon, who's the one starter for the Nuggets that you have to worry the least about offensively. And as long as Rui Hachimura can hold his own against Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis can sit in the lane and just wait. Just wait until Jokic makes his move, then comes over and doubles at the last minute. As they said in the first half, you can't just double Nikola Jokic right when he touches the ball. You are asking for, that's a recipe for disaster. He's going to find the open man and they're going to get layups or wide open threes. You can't double him right on the catch. You have to double him right as he's about to make his move. And they didn't do that in the first half. Second half, they basically played him straight up. If if Anthony Davis wants to play him straight up or Rui Hachimura can play him straight up and just contain him, that's where you don't let the other guys go off. And that was the problem with the Lakers yesterday. Not only was Jokic going off, his teammates around him were all going off. Jamal Murray had 31. KCP had 21. Michael Porter Jr. had 15. Bruce Brown off the bench had 16. Like, I think the Lakers would be fine for Jokic to put one up put up one of his ridiculous games, you know, a 35, 20, and 15 or something ridiculous, as long as they keep the others in check. But I'm sitting there watching the first half, and the Lakers would be in half-court defense. They'd make Denver Nuggets would make one pass into Jokic. The Lakers would just run and double team him, and automatically Jokic is finding an open three-pointer or finding a guy cutting to the basket for a dunk or a lap. It was so easy. And clearly at halftime, they made an adjustment. And that's what playoff series are all about. You're playing the same team possibly seven times in a row. So while you think the Lakers looked lost at times last night, they made an in-game adjustment well enough to cut a 22-point lead down to three with under a minute left. Now the Denver Nuggets have to adjust to what the Lakers are doing. Do they take Aaron Gordon out of the lineup? Because he can't do any, can't do much offensively and – if they put Anthony Davis on Aaron Gordon so he can sag off him and double Jokic at the last minute, that's going to cause problems for Denver. So what do they do? And then if Denver changes, what is like what do the Lakers do to counter that? It's all punching and counterpunching in the playoffs. The Lakers will make adjustments. The Nuggets will have to make adjustments off what the Lakers' adjustments are. This is going to be a fascinating series. But all I needed to see last night was a 22-point deficit on the road where they looked dead in the water in the third quarter to cut it to what they did and had a chance to tie the game with under a minute left in a game where if you were to ask me after the game what the shooting percentages were, I would have said Denver definitely 55 to 60%. I thought the Lakers, because how well they shot in the third quarter, they shot 72% in the third quarter. I thought for the game they shot maybe 50, 48, 50%. Both teams, same exact field goal percentage, essentially. And they won by six because of free throws at the end. And a winnable game. A winnable game and a game that I'm watching, and I'm like, how are the Lakers even possibly coming close to winning this game? I thought they were getting just boat raced. And I'm like, what's going on here? It was so weird. I thought that was a classic Lakers dead spot, you know, Game one, okay, Denver's hot, they're rolling, they're at home, their crowd is into it, we're down 22 with eight minutes left in the third. If we can make a run, great, but if not, we'll just sit our starters and get ready for game two. And they 
completely changed the way they were playing. The problem is they didn't do that in the first half. And I think now they know, look, it's about effort. Because to me, it wasn't about execution and the scheme in the first half. There was some execution issues. Obviously, they defended Jokic differently in the second half than he did in the first half. But they had no energy in the first half. None. Go watch the first half again and watch how many times Denver players are just running up and down the court, beating the Laker players who are running back with their backs to the ball, jogging. Just a poor effort defensively. Just poor effort all around in the first half. You're down by 18 and give up 72 points. If the Lakers don't give up 72 points, I still think it's going to be a high-scoring series. I still think both teams are probably going to score over 50 points, 55 points by halftime of every game. But you can't get it, let them get up to 72. You know, if you could be behind 59-54, something like that, just in striking distance, not 18 fucking points at halftime on the road in game one. It's just too much to overcome. It really is. But great game one. I can't wait for game two. I can't wait for the rest of the series because I think this is going to be such a chess match. I love it. All right, moving on to baseball. Baseball is such a statistical sport, and you're really taking a chance because it's really the only sport. Well, basketball contracts are guaranteed, but baseball contracts, while they are guaranteed, they don't mean much. The team that spends the most money does not necessarily win every season because then you would just give the World Series championship to the Dodgers or the Yankees every season and never even play 162 games. So there's a statistic that came out the other day that I'm just like, this is crazy. So the Yankees went, sorry, the Mets went out and got Justin Verlander in the offseason and they paid between Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, the Mets are paying them $86 million this season. So far, they've pitched 27 and two-thirds innings total with a 5.29 ERA combined and a minus 2.2 war. The Tampa Bay Rays are paying their entire pitching staff of 20 pitchers, $22 million, which is, what, $64 million, less than the two pitchers on the Mets, and yet their 20 pitchers have pitched 322 innings this year with a 2.93 ERA and a 5.1 war. It just goes to show, biggest spenders does not mean success. And Tampa Bay Rays are showing it night in and night out. Now, if you go on the other end of the spectrum and you look at the Oakland A's, different story because if you barely spend any money, it's very possible that you could lose a lot of games. The Oakland A's are a terrible, terrible baseball team. They're a terrible, terrible franchise. It's why they are headed to Las Vegas and are going to be the Las Vegas A's in, I don't know what year it's going to start, but they are going to be there. As I'm recording this, they're currently in extra innings with Arizona. But going into tonight's game, the Oakland A's were 9-34. and However, they also had a minus 160 run differential. In case you haven't looked at a calendar, Going into last night's game, it was May 16th. We are a month and a half into the season, and this team has been outscored by 160 runs. In the history of baseball, that's the most. Nobody has been outscored by more than 160 runs in the first 43 games of the season. It's never happened before in the history of baseball. That's kind of embarrassing. (laughs) It really is. Now, there's a binding agreement that the stadium in Las Vegas is going to be built on the Tropicana. 
They are going to bulldoze the Tropicana, and that's where the stadium's going to be. Again, I still have my questions. How they're going to build a stadium, and not that it's small, but it seems like they're going to need to bulldoze a few more things around the Tropicana to have a baseball stadium there. But your guess is as good as mine. They seem to know what they're doing. They're the architects. They know. But just doing a mental picture of that corner of Las Vegas Boulevard. It's kind of confusing to me how a whole stadium can go there and they don't have to bulldoze anything else, but we shall see. However, if the Oakland A's are going to move to Las Vegas, Vegas isn't going to support a team that sucks this bad. So they better start spending money and getting players there, which I'm assuming they will. Uh, They don't spend money in Oakland because the fans don't even go there. They don't care. Even when the Oakland A's had a low payroll and were winning and getting to the playoffs every year, Fans still didn't support them until usually the playoffs started. And finally, one thing I wanted to point out about the NFL releasing not only their schedule, but also releasing the games that are going to be on Thursday night football, Thanksgiving Day, Christmas Day, the new Black Friday game, Monday night football, the Sunday night schedule. Did you see what's happening in the playoffs, at least for one game this year? One game in the playoffs this year is going to be on a pay channel, which is a streaming service. You have to have Peacock on the first weekend of wildcard games in the NFL this year. I forget the week. It's January. I don't know the exact date, but that Saturday that the wildcard games start in the NFL, the Saturday night game is exclusive to Peacock. First time in NFL history that a playoff game We all know Amazon Prime started airing Thursday night games last year, first time they've ever been really on a streaming service for a whole season. Now, first playoff game ever going to be on a streaming service. You know where this is headed. At some point, I don't know how many years down the line, whether it's five or ten, at some point down the line, the Super Bowl is going to be on a streaming service or it's going to be on a pay-per-view basis. And I think... The NFL should probably watch out for that. They don't need to do that. They're already making a shit ton of money on TV deals. But look, they know people will pay for it. If your team is playing on Saturday night in the wildcard game this year, are you really going to be like, no, I don't want to watch them play in the playoffs because it's on a pay service and NFL is making me pay for a game? Bullshit. They know you're going to watch, and you know you're going to watch. If you haven't ordered Peacock by now, you will that night to watch your team play. So it's it's definitely getting greedy on the NFL side. You know the phrase, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, coined by Mark Cuban. The NFL is getting to that phase. We'll see if this backfires on them. But at some point, more than one playoff game is going to be on a streaming service, and your regular Sunday games more than one game is going to be on a streaming service. It's just, it's going to happen. So get ready for it. And they're laying the groundwork already by having that Saturday night game exclusive on Peacock this year for the first wildcard weekend. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. Game one of Boston and Miami tonight in Boston. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Also probably talk a little more baseball as well. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. It's really appreciated. It helps the podcast tremendously. You have no idea. Pass it along to your friends. Let them know all about it. Be back tomorrow 
with another Sports Daily. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See ya! Oh, the best around. Nothing's gonna end.